Hello everyone, today is Monday, April 5th, 2021. My name is Byron Howell and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. You know, last week we we talked about something that I really think is fascinating, something that that can really be transformative and that is is really working to create an inner harmony between your spirit and your soul and really how that can lead to having a true inner peace a true inner harmony within yourself. And remember that our born-again human spirit, you know, when we become a Christian, we become uh, born again. And our born-again human spirit is perfect before God in every way. And then we have our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And really creating a, a peace and a harmony between our soul and our spirit is just such a wonderful possibility that we have you know, with God and in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I believe that if we can succeed internally, then we will really begin to succeed externally. <clears throat> I also believe that having a unified experience of self, if you will, where your spirit, soul, and body are in harmony is just a master key to experiencing all that God has for your life. Now today, I want to take a few minutes and talk about how to stop sinning and start obeying God in every area of your life. And, and you know, as we'll see, as you'll see why, I really hate talking about sin and I hate being in any church environment where they focus heavily on sin. I think that's wrong and I'll explain that. But I do love talking about obeying God. And, and most of us, when we, we think about obeying God, even the whole word obedience carries with it, uh, if not a negative con, uh, connotation, maybe just not the, the greatest idea. I mean, obedience and fun are not necessarily synonymous, but, but with God, obedience is wonderful. Obedience is key to living in all that God has for your life. And, and you know, obedience, you know, everything you'd ever obey that God tells you to do is, is a blessing. And those are the, really the ideas that we're going to talk about today. And I know this is really going to help you, really help you take it to the next level. And as you'll see quickly, this is, you know, this is going to teach you how to stop sinning, really how to get, you know, I'm not saying that, that you'll be, you know, 100% perfect and sin free, you know, for the rest of your life. But this is, this is really going to help you. And you'll see that we can really put sin and, and a lot of the, maybe the difficult or the past practices that have been ungodly, things we've struggled with, we can really put those behind us and start living for the kingdom. And we'll talk about that. So, so many of us grew up learning that we need to avoid sin and that if we sin, God will punish us. Now, let me just say that is not true. Shocking as that may sound. But if you are a Christian, there is no more punishment for your sin that you will ever experience. Jesus took all the punishment for every sin that would ever be committed, and there is no punishment left for you. You see 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 on that. Now, that doesn't mean sin never has bad consequences, but Christians do not get punished by God for sin. But even if you aren't worried about God's punishment, many Christians still worry about sin or they go through life fighting against it. And now I just want to mention again that while we're talking about sin, we can also talk about obeying God. As I talk about obeying God, it's not just about, you know, avoiding these negative behaviors that we've always considered sin. But now we'll also talk about obeying God in, in that which he, we should do or that which God wants us to do. These are closely related topics 
through the analysis that I'm going to present today. Excuse me. So again, let's look at this kind of the actual Christian experience that most of us go through. We, we learn at some point in our lives about God's love for us and that he sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins. So we repent of our sins and we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Then we start thinking about what life should look like as Christians. And whether you read the Bible or you go to church, you're going to be immediately confronted with a set of rules. And, and a lot of us, I mean, many of us think, hey, there's rules about everything with God. I mean, rules about relationships, money, eating, drinking, rules, rules, rules. And most people don't really like a lot of rules. I think this is especially true, you know, if you've grown up in America or, you know, places with Western civilization, you know, we, we value our freedom very heavily and, and, and greatly, I should say. And, and also, even in the church world, you know, we think and we say, you know, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. That's what the Bible says. And so this, this, this freedom, the concept of freedom is very important to us in spiritual ways, in, in our mind, in our thinking, in our attitudes. And so we, we can have this kind of negative reaction to rules. And, and we don't like them. But so again, you know, you're a young Christian and you're learning, you know, what God wants, what he likes, what he doesn't like. And, you know, a lot of us, and this is not a bad thing. We're so happy to know that God has saved us from our sins, that we will go to heaven and spend eternity with him, that we start to basically accept the rules. And we say, you know what? I'm so happy about what God's done for me. And I'm going to at least start paying attention to the rules and, and try to obey them. And, you know, the first level of obeying God is is obeying these various rules to avoid sin. You know, don't use drugs. Don't have sex out of wedlock or marriage. Don't expose yourself to ungodly entertainment, you know, and so on. And so while we're thinking about those rules, we can call them the, the don'ts, right? The don't rules. And And as we're thinking about those and learning them, we also start encountering the do rules. You know, you should go to church, you give money to your church, volunteer with the church, you should pray, you should read the Bible, you do, do a number of other things that, that are come with the Christian life that, you know, you're commanded to do as part of the Christian life. And it just reminds me as I think about this, I once heard this woman, and I know this is a, you know, a godly woman. She loves God. You know, I doubt she has any big, you know, sin problems in her life, at least things that we would consider sin. And she was telling me that she knew God was punishing her for not reading her Bible enough. And I just thought, you know, what a terrible example of a lie that the devil has told her. And, you know, not, not only was she, uh, you know, worried about punishment for the don't rules. She thought that God was actually punishing her because she was falling short in one of the areas of the do rules. And, you know, I really think that this is kind of a common sentiment, even unconsciously sometimes, that, you know, we feel like if we don't do something right, if we're, if we're either messing up on the don'ts or not, you know, really fulfilling whatever we think the right idea of the do real rules is that, you know, darned if we do, darned if we don't, we're going to fall short of God and we're going to end up getting punished. But see, this whole paradigm is wrong. You see, it's true the rules do exist. There are things we should do and things we shouldn't do, but it's the mentality with which we approach these rules that must change. It's our relationship to the rules that also must change. And see, here is the key understanding 
that will unlock the door to you obeying God in every area of your life, in the do's and the don'ts and everything. Fundamentally, for a Christian, the rules are not actually rules at all. Rather, the rules are directions to follow God's plan for your life. They are also guidelines to help your, you live your best possible life. Literally, they are keys to unlock the wonderful existence that your loving God has planned for you. That's the mental shift. In the stories of the Old Testament, before the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's true, the rules, they were laws, and they served a very different purpose. They provided a mechanism by which sinful people could come into the presence of God and they could have a relationship with the holy God. They they did. They served other purposes. You know, maybe there were dietary benefits to some of those laws and things like that. We don't need to get into all of that now. My point is the commandments and the laws for the people that lived before the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ served a very different purpose. And we cannot approach them the same way now that we are partakers in the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You see, for those of us who are in Christ, who are born again Christians, we are already perfect in God's eyes. And it's time that you internalize that. You don't argue with it. You might find it very difficult to accept it when you look at your daily life. But you just need to do it. You need to accept it. This is what the Bible teaches, and it's the truth. Hebrews 10.14 says, For by a single offering, he has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy. Maybe that sounds a little complicated, but it's talking about Jesus' sacrifice for us. That was the single offering, and we, you and I, my Christian brothers and sisters, are forever completely cleansed. What an amazing truth. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, we are so perfect before God that we could walk boldly right up to His throne. And what would we find? Not not judgment, not rejection, not con- condemnation, We would find mercy, grace, help, love. See, and if that wasn't enough, if you were still unsure of your position before God, you must realize that in fact, in reality, you are already seated spiritually in heaven at God's right hand. This is Ephesians chapter 2 verses 5 through 6. Even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. (coughs) For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because you are united with Christ Jesus. You see, this is getting into some spiritual reality, but there is a part of you your spirit that is now united with Christ. And as your spirit is united with Christ, you already are with him and in him seated in the throne room of God at the right hand. The Bible says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. We as Christians 
are united in spirit with Jesus Christ. And we are in the throne room right next to God right now. That's how perfect our spirits really are. Truly amazing, truly wonderful. So we realize that in fact, whether our minds want to accept it or not, and regardless of you know how you may have messed up yesterday, we are sanctified and perfected before God <clears throat> because of Jesus' sacrifice for all our sins. Now, given that, how do we regard the rules? The New Testament in the teachings of Jesus in the early church writings are full of guidelines for godly living. <clears throat> but they are not there to help us avoid God's punishment. They are meant to help us live our best lives and do all that God wants us to do. Your drug addiction is not going to keep you out of heaven. In fact, it's not even going to make God think any less of you. He loves you perfectly more than you can fathom, and that will never change. But it will keep your mind away from godly thinking, and it will prevent you from living out God's plans for your life. Your problem with lust, whatever your problem may be, they won't keep you out of heaven, and they will not make God think any less of you. But the lust problem, for example, will keep you from the depths of a relationship available to you in a godly marriage and the emotional and physical satisfaction that God has available for you there and only there. I could go on and on, but you get the idea. This is the mental shift you must make. We've talked about renovation of your thinking, and this is a huge part of it. Every single one of God's directions are meant to help and guide you into God's wonderful plan for your life. Every single one of them is a gift and a blessing, and we must start to regard them correctly. There are many times, and you probably experience this most when you are either a child or a young Christian learning the rules for the first time. Oh my gosh, premarital sex isn't okay. Oh my gosh, you know, I can't, I can't use drugs anymore. I'm sorry, drugs are a sin, regardless of what you, you, you may personally think. I'm just telling you they are. You know, we see these rules, we hear these rules, and we have a negative reaction because we've enjoyed sinful behavior. But the negative reaction stems from an incorrect approach to those behaviors. And, and we've thought that they were fun. We thought that there was something about them that was good. Uh, but now we have to realize that, no, in fact, these these rules... They're not just meant to kind of box us into God's weird definition of what he thinks is right and wrong. No, it's because he is the creator of humanity and he, in fact, knows what is best, universally best for all humans. Not only that, in addition to that, he is your creator and knows every aspect of you, everything that will fulfill you, bring you joy, bring you bring you peace bring you love, bring you happiness. And he, as your loving father, wants to guide you into all of these things. And the commandments of God, they're no longer laws for us as Christians. We're freed from the law. We're free from that whole paradigm. They are guides and and lights to light us on the path into God's wonderful plan for your life. 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. Everything God has ever done, every word God has ever spoken, every direction God has ever given, they are all based in love. And I get it. 
It is hard to reconcile that truth with some of the stories in the Old Testament about God's punishment for sin, but it's still true. God is love. He does not change. That's found in the book of Malachi. And everything emanates from his love. How wonderful for us now who are Christians in the sacrifice of Jesus, we can be absolutely sure that, that now it's only, only the blessings now, only the good now, the, 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 the condemnation, the, the judgment that awaited for our sins is gone, removed from us by, by Jesus' wonderful sacrifice, beyond words, wonderful. And, and now we can step fully into the presence of God. And, and the, with the Spirit of God empowering us and giving us wisdom beyond anything that we could really imagine, it, the Spirit of God is inside of us now. We can move forward boldly, confidently into all that God has for us. You see, we must start realizing the truth of God's commandments, that they are wonderful and we should rejoice in following them all. Listen to Psalms 19, 7 through 11. This is one of the first passages that ever grabbed my attention. And I know why. It's because I did not want to obey any of God's rules. <laughs> I liked the idea of being forgiven for my sins because I wanted to sin. You know, even as a kid, there were, you know, I knew, I knew I was going to continue messing up. But this grabbed my attention. And it still does. This is Psalm 19, 7 through 11. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clean, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. What, what wonderful revelation. What an amazing statement from David. You know, a man who lived many, many years, hundreds, if not thousands of years before Jesus came. Just that he would recognize the true nature of the commandments of God, that they are true, clear, that they make you wise, that they bring joy, that they're more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. He recognized that this is the reality of God's directions. You see, I believe that this is understanding is the master key for obeying God. God doesn't have the don't rules for my life to control me or hold me back from some sort of fun. No, the don't rules protect me. They protect my relationships. They protect my family. They protect my finances. They, they serve to keep my mind focused on God and keep me away from things that would, would hurt me or move me away from Him. If I'm, if I want to experience all that He has for me, I can't have these in my life. The do rules, they are blessings and guideposts. The, the, the rule of love, it improves my relationships. The do rules about money and being generous, they improve my finances. The do rules like go to church, they improve my community. They help me train my children in the ways of God. The do rules keep my mind on God. 
They, they helped me change my thinking. They helped change my heart. In fact, and this often goes unspoken, but these do rules, worship, read, go to church, pray, etc. They tune me in to the frequency of God so that I can receive his specific directions for my life. That's a very, very powerful reality. But we could go on and on. Now, let's turn away from the rules for a moment and just think about the other things God tells us to do. What I'm saying is let's move into specifics. When God, you know, what if God tells you to make a job change? What if God tells you to make a change in your relationship? What if God says, you know, read a particular book or listen to a particular person? As you go through life in relationship with God and listening to him, he's going to give you all sorts of directions. 100% of them, every single one, are from his love for you and others. They are all sent to guide you into God's best. You must learn to trust him and obey. But when you understand that all of God's directions for you are good, it's a lot easier to trust him and do what he says. Over the past five years, I've made three significant changes in my law practice. All three of them were at the Lord's direction. All three of them required faith and tempted me to fear. But I know the Lord. I know he has good things for me, including financial blessings. I'm only a few months into the third such change, and this one's actually required several steps. However, I can already see God's blessing and guidance in my life. I have another situation in my life right now where I feel God is telling me to do something, and it's not necessarily life or death, but it does require a significant commitment in money and time, and it could you know, prevent me from doing other things. But I trust God. I know he will pay for everything he ever tells anyone to do. I know that he knows what is best. I know that he knows where we should be at all times, you know, physically to experience his best life for us. And then he has plans for, you know, for me and my family in certain places. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss anything that God has for me and my family. And so I must listen and do what he says, you know. I want to see the goodness of the Lord in every possible area of my life. And and I do that. That is available to you and to me as we listen to his directions and obey what he says. See, that's really the nature, the core reality of obedience to God. Obedience is not about avoiding punishment. Obedience is about following God into the wonderful plan that he has for your life. And you see, I just want to admit that, you know, this concept of obedience, like like some of the other concepts we talk about, is easier said than done. It's not always easy to see how God's directions are guides to your best life. You know, I think about, you know, sometimes, you know, you hear a story about someone was going to marry somebody, for example, and, and God said, don't do that. Or somebody had a particular job opportunity that on paper looked really good, but God said, don't do that. You know, sometimes it's not obvious how these are the best for you, but you've got to trust God. You've got to know him and how much he loves you. You see, trusting him and knowing his love for you are key components to living in his directions. And, you know, I wish I could better convey, you know, this this unfathomable, amazing love that he has for us all. But the closer you get to him, the more time you spend with him. There's really I just don't know of a better way to say this. 
As you spend time with God, developing your personal relationship with Him, and I would just say the best way that I really think you can do that is spend time with the Bible open, reading, praying, talking to God, being open to Him, just talking through your situations, praying, listening, and just spending time really fellowshipping with God. And and so what happens is, is you begin to to feel him, for lack of a better word, to begin to recognize him. Then you begin to hear him and experience more and more of him in your life. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew thirteen forty four: The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. <clears throat> and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. You see, this is what Jesus is saying, is that God's kingdom is a treasure. Everything that comes out of God's kingdom is part of that treasure. Sometimes we don't recognize treasure for what it really is. Sometimes things have great value, but we can't see it. We don't see it until we we recognize its true nature. See, the life that God wants you to have, all of God's directions for your life, they all emanate from his love and from this treasure. This, this kingdom that in and of itself is a treasure. The more of God's directions you follow, the more of his love and treasure you're going to see. The more of the wonderful life he's created for you, you are going to see. Again, the correct regard for God's directions is the master key, the foundation for successful obedience to God in every area of your life. But before we finish today, I want to point out two other mental shifts that will greatly help you stop sinning. The first, and you've probably heard me mention this before, is that you must become spiritually minded and start walking in the spirit. These concepts are from Romans chapter 8 and Galatians chapter 5. And these concepts are not nearly as difficult or amorphous as they might sound. As you begin focusing your mind on the things of God, reading the Bible and godly books, going to church, listening to Christian music, fellowshipping with God, godly people, eliminating ungodly entertainment, etc. This is how we start focusing our mind on God. You will become spiritually minded. It is automatic when you start focusing your mind this way. As your mind shifts from natural things to spiritual things, from natural pleasures to spiritual pleasures, God's directions make more sense and become easier to follow. As Joyce Meyer says, where the mind goes, the man follows. As you begin thinking spiritually, you will begin living spiritually. The things of God will become more attractive to you and you will start pursuing them. As your life begins to change and becomes the product of your godly thinking, you will now be living in that which pleases God. This is not an overnight process, but it does work. It is automatic. You change the way you think, you will change the way you live. And as you become open to to God and His ways and His Spirit, you will begin receiving the specific directions. So as this happens, as you're thinking changes and as your thinking change your life change and now you start living and doing differently according to the ways of God this is really walking in the spirit so here's the point 
When you are thinking and living according to God's ways, you will lose any room in your mind for sinful things. And when the sinful things don't have a space in your mind, they lose any space in your life. And here is where churches have missed it big time, in my opinion. I don't need to talk to you about the evils of sin if I want you to stop sinning. Rather, I need to teach you about the goodness of God and his plan for your life. You see, the true things of God are far more attractive and exciting than any sinful thing the world has to offer. Focus on God and you will lose focus on the sinful things. And and it will just be automatic. They will just start disappearing from your life. I'm not saying, you know, you won't walk down the street or go through life and temptation comes, but but it just it just changes and your personal attraction to these sinful things is just gone because you have forced them out of your mind by renovating your thinking to become spiritually minded and now you're walking in the spirit. And you see, this is why Galatians five sixteen says, Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here's the last point that's going to greatly help you overcome sin in your life. You must recognize sin for what it really is. Sometimes when a preacher is talking about sin, the preacher points out how fun or pleasurable a particular sin really might be. You know, I hate that and it's totally wrong. And such a point only looks at the very short-lived and physical realities of a particular sin or a particular action. Consider for a moment the sin that would be most appealing to your flesh. Whatever that is. Don't spend too much time there. We've got to keep our mind off those things. But just for a moment. Whatever it is, be it a drug, something sexual, some stolen money, whatever. That may create a momentary feeling of pleasure to your body. But there are soul and spiritual sides to that action. Even while you are taking that thing to your flesh, your mind you know, starts instantly regretting the decision. Within moments, you start feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit. What is the sin doing to your mind, to your body, to your relationships, to your future? Even if no one will ever know, how will you feel? You see, what you've got to do is you've got to take these thoughts... And immediately apply them to the sin opportunity in front of you. See, in the future, when you encounter a potential sin, consider every aspect of it, not just the momentary physical pleasure, which most of the time is, you know, fake and fictitious and a lie anyway. You see, this is what happened to me a few years ago when I found myself alone in Colorado walking past a legal marijuana store. Now, I hate to admit it, but, you know, in college and high school, I got high. <clears throat> so memories from college came to my mind, and I was tempted to get high again. But what would that do to my mind? I, I sat there, and I started thinking about these things. <clears throat> what would that do to my relationship with God and how I needed to be hearing from Him the rest of that day? What bad decisions might I make after I smoked? Would it be harder to resist the next time? What would my wife think? Would I tell her or keep it from her? You know, what about the fact that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and I don't want to necessarily bring, you know, intoxicants into that body? You know, after about two minutes of thinking, this decision to walk away uh, was pretty easy. You see, the analysis of a particular sin opportunity might lead you to different questions, but the answer is always the same. Sin is wrong, sin can have negative consequences, and sin is never just the physical act. Often the real damage occurs in the realms of the spirit or the soul, and those damages occur even if no one ever finds out about the sin.
when a sin opportunity arises, you know, what's going to happen to you is you're going to become spiritually minded and you're going to begin walking in the spirit. And when a sin opportunity arises, your spiritual mind is going to immediately wall it off and shut it down. This, this will happen and it becomes easier and easier and stronger and stronger as you grow. But if for whatever reason it doesn't happen immediately, then do yourself a favor and truly analyze this sin opportunity. Look, there are devils behind these opportunities. The devil that created all these sinful things in the world, there's nothing good that will come from them. But if you just analyze, you know, the various aspects of whatever this thing is in front of you, you will remember, look, this thing isn't really that good after all. And, you know, maybe my flesh might feel good for a couple of seconds, but this thing, this is a devil. This thing is bad. This is not something good for my life. And as, you know, this is just after you already are, are understand that, that this doesn't please God, that, that this won't help you in your relationship with God, that this might take you off of God's plan for your life. You just run some sin opportunity for this analysis. Through this analysis, you're going to have no problem walking away. You see, much of the church world has spent a lot of time teaching people to stay away from sin. But the way to avoid sin is not by focusing on fear of punishment or blind adherence to biblical laws. We best avoid sin by recognizing that God's directions are tremendous blessings of his love and kingdom treasure. All of his rules, the do's and the don'ts are the guides into your best possible life, and the sin will take you away from that. God has all of the best in the world for you, and his guidelines will lead you to it. Following God's directions will lead you to the kingdom treasure that God has planned for you. Focus your mind on the things of God. Begin living according to the Bible's directions and you are going to lose any attraction to sin. As you become spiritually minded, you're going to automatically distance yourself from the old sin and start living in God's direction. As you start making these mental changes, as you start renovating your mind this way, now something really fascinating happens. The more you hear about God's directions, you don't feel that resistance that you did the first time. Now, rather than I, rather than hearing this direction or this rule and feeling that resistance or rejection, now I'm hearing God's directions and I feel embrace. I feel excitement. I feel joy. I get fired up. This is how you hear people in church. You know, the preacher's up there and he's talking. He's talking about the things of God. You know, God wants this. God wants that. And people are amening. Why? Because they're excited. Because the things of God are wonderful. Because God only has wonderful things for your life. And the revelation, the truth, the, the realities of God are, are so wonderful. They're so exciting. You can't help yourself. But so look... You won't, you'll, you'll change and you'll stop resisting and you'll recognize the truth. And the truth is that these directions are, and guidelines are wonderful and exciting. 
And, and so you'll start feeling that. It'll become part of your nature. Your mind recognizes the blessings of these directions. And now this ties back into the harmony between the soul and the spirit. Because remember, your spirit's perfect. Your spirit already knows all about God, knows everything. And your spirit, when your spirit hears these directions, your spirit's inside of you saying, yeah, that's right. Let's go. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to go to, to see more of what God has for our life. But now instead of the, the disunity or the discord between your soul, which still clings to the old sin and your spirit, which is saying, no, we want the things of God. Now you hear these directions and you have this unity inside yourself between your soul and your spirit. And you're saying, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, God, I'll do whatever you say. I approach your directions with excitement and joy, God. Your laws are, are true and righteous and sweeter than honey, more to be desired than gold. Thank you, God. More, Lord. More, Lord. You see, with this harmony between your spirit and soul, not only will you feel the pleasure and the excitement and the joy of God's directions, but getting your body to line up this is not going to be a problem at all. And now you're on your way. As you start listening to God and obeying his directions, he will give you more. But they won't be more don't rules. I mean, in a way, there's so many, only so many of those. There'll be more things to do, more things to understand. You see, now God isn't dealing with you so much to get old stuff out of your life. He's bringing new good things into your life. Now you're starting to work with God to expand the kingdom. Now God starts using you regularly to show his love to the world. There is nothing like working with your creator to show his unfathomable love to others, to see them touched by his heart and knowing that you were his instrument to show other people God's love. That is on the next level of existence. This is working for the kingdom of God in the earth. And I pray that we would all begin to live this way all the time. Thank you so much for your time today. I pray that you study the verses we mentioned. Feel free to reach out to me anytime if we ever want to talk about these things. God bless you. I love you. Have a great day.